last week in Advent, um, if you are a person who grew up with the tradition of Advent, then you are a person who knows about the hope candle and the peace candle and the joy candle and the love candle. And the last one is white and it is Christ candle. It is a celebration of this, all of these ingredients of Advent put together and the purity of Christ coming, um, but also the light of Christ coming. We'll be in Luke chapter two, uh, verses 25 through 35, but we're also gonna like skip into Philippians chapter two, um, uh, verses five through 11. Before we go, I'm gonna pray. And then um, we'll jump in together. Father, thank you. I can't thank you enough, God, for how you love us. You love us richly. God. When everything is going according to plan, you love us. When things are messy spaghetti splattered all over the wall, you love us. When everything when we are steady and feel like we're living in the fruit of the Spirit and empowered by your Spirit to do good, you love us. And when we cannot seem to get it right, you love us. Period. You love us. And this is a day that we as believers celebrate your unrelenting love for your creation and we get to live that out and live it before your creation. Give us grace to do so well. Lord, also as we dive into this portion of scripture, may our hearts be transformed by you. Our minds renewed. May everything that I say and we say, God, bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my uh, favorite parts of the story of Jesus' birth is actually after his birth. And there's two prophets. One is Simeon and the other is Anna. We're going to read the one from Simeon. But it just kind of amazes me, that part of the story. And it works because it's the day after Christmas, <laughs> right? And so we get to uh, talk about this moment where Simeon um, is an old man and he received a promise at some point from God that he would not die until Messiah had been revealed. And so at verse 25, it jumps in and says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I want to pause there for just a second. And in verse 25, it says, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. We talked about in Advent is not just this, oh, let's remember sweet baby Jesus kind of time. No, there are people waiting to be rescued right? There are people waiting eagerly in anticipation of a, yes, Messiah. And I think when we think Messiah, we think Jesus kind of like healing people. That's cool. We think Jesus, but Messiah for them was like warrior. Messiah for them was like 
you know, a little bit, a lot of bit of David and a little bit of Samson, <laughs> right? You know, he was like, these, glory to the newborn king indeed. Simeon was waiting not for sweet baby Jesus. Simeon was waiting for a rescuer. Picks up in 27, that day, speaking of that day, a few, uh, few verses above, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple on the eighth day of his life so he could be circumcised, also have, be named Jesus. So that day, that's the day they're talking about, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. I got to pause. I know that's kind of like right in the middle of a verse, but I have to pause. Simeon is waiting for a rescuer. And something drops in his soul that said that this baby is that. And I, this is the part where I'm amazed by it. Because I can't imagine, I'm going to be honest, we're waiting for Christ's return. And if I'm expecting a rescuer and shows up like a baby, <laughs> I'm going to have all kinds of conflict inside of me. I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm like, okay, God, you know what you're doing. <laughs> but that's not Simeon's response, which for me, if you throw yourself into Scripture, means that the Holy Spirit clearly was doing something because you can't look at an eight-day-old and say, here's my rescuer. That's got to be something that the Holy Spirit is doing. I love the tension in Christmas. <laughs> I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. One of my favorite parts, all. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him because he's eight days old. <laughs> then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Tension, conflict, crazy, all in our Christmas. We don't think about this. I know we talk about, I and mean, we've talked about already in the last couple of weeks, all of the weirdness that was happening with Jesus and like it's not pretty, as pretty as we want to make it. But every moment of Jesus's life was filled with this kind of conflict and this kind of tension. There was not a moment in Jesus's breathing life where he was not surrounded by tension and conflict and all of this opposing realities. He's going to 
be a light to the nations, but many people are going to oppose him. He's going to be a savior of the world, but many in Israel are going to fall. I started off talking about us feeling the tension because of our own lives, but I want us to acknowledge as a family, Christmas is supposed to feel like this. I want to have happy. I want to have joy. I want to unwrap stuff. I want pretty lights. But I also, if I really want to celebrate Christmas, I also want the challenge. For real. If I really want to celebrate Christmas, I want both. If I don't want both, I only want what America has to offer me. Just Christmas trees. And jingle bells. But if I want what Christ has to offer me, it is the tension of expecting something, but getting something different. But the Holy Spirit letting settle in my soul, this is what you need, Chase. Twenty thirty-five. as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And his sword will pierce your very soul. It's not very Christmassy. I showed you all this picture a few years ago. So if you're new, you didn't, you didn't see this picture, but I want you to see it now. This is a lion. And while if you've watched National Geographic or the Discovery Channel at all, you know you may immediately see this as just an overweight female lion, but it's not. This is a male lion without a mane. The male lion's mane grows in as a result of testosterone. Without testosterone, the male lion doesn't have a mane. This is what a neutered male lion looks like because there's no testosterone coursing through his body to make the mane. And actually, once the, the male lion is neutered, the mane begins to just kind of fall out. And you would think that he would just be bald, but nope. Kind of like those of us men, like, like with beards, like we may not actually lose hair on our head if we don't have beard hair. And the opposite may be true as well. <laughs> They're not intrinsically connected, but the mane of a lion is intrinsically connected to its testosterone. I'm showing you this picture because Israel was expecting the Lion of Judah and they wanted one with a mane. They wanted one who was huge and big and like scary and all of Rome would shudder at the very sight of him. And what they got was an unmaned lion. I'm not saying Jesus was neutered, though. I'm not saying that. That's weird. I am saying, though, that it's not what you expected from a male lion. And it's that kind of thing that's a part of the celebration of Christmas. My favorite thing to remember is that the God who created all things 
knows every star by name, has seen every galaxy, has seen the end all the way through the beginning, has seen everything that ever was and ever will be, reduced himself to only being able to see six inches in front of his face as a baby. I say that every year because it's amazing to me that this is the God that we serve was willing to take off his mane. Maine is the glory of a lion. Our God was willing, because of his great love for us, to put down his crown. We don't celebrate the way that the world does. We celebrate the, the immense sacrifice from beginning to end of Jesus's life. We talk about the sacrifice at Easter because that's the thing that we get to see. And we, we can resonate with that quite a bit because if I was in that kind of pain, I would know what Jesus gave up for me. If I felt like my hands were pierced and someone cut my side, I would know what that felt like. None of us knows what it feels like to be on the throne of all creation and give it up for some people who keep messing up. That's what Jesus did. A lion, the lion of Judah says, mm, nobody's going to even really recognize me as the lion of Judah without a mane, but I'm going to cut it off anyway, because this is the plan and this is the way. I don't want to just preach humility to them. I want to live humility for them. See, the real strength of the sacrifice of Christ isn't how big his muscles were, how willing he was, how far he was willing to go to let go of his strength for us. That's where Philippians jumps in. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. The beginning of Christ's sacrifice wasn't at the cross. The beginning of Christ's sacrifice was at its conception. How am I positioning myself for the beginning of a sacrifice to not be the most dramatic part? We acknowledge the sacrifices that we have when I have to give, oh, I got to give up my full check to this week. But there's something that's happening in the background that positions me to even do that. A part of why Christ could give up his life, not have it taken, but lay it down, was because he had been, already been practicing laying down from the beginning of his conception. He had been laying down stuff since the moment Gabriel said, Mary, you're pregnant. Laying down things, one thing after the next. Laying down my privilege as God, 
laying down my glory, laying down my honor, laying down my strength, laying down the ability to see and do and know all things. And this is the God that we serve and the Christ that we celebrate. We don't just celebrate because it feels good. We celebrate because the sacrifice that our God made was even before the cross. And this is the love that we have been given. And it's because of that sacrifice, not just the death, it's because of that sacrifice that Jesus has given the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This last picture is the lion that we want to see. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I want to talk about a lion. That's what I'm, that's Mufasa's dad. Like I, Mufasa's dad don't even have a name, but that's him. <laughs> like like the king of the kings of <laughs> main so big you can't even see past it. Like. <laughs> celebrating Christmas, Jesus coming and living, yes. But for a moment, I want us to remember that that coming came with a price tag. And that price tag is what actually earned the main that we expect. And that can feel weird to us because we're talking about God. God doesn't have to earn anything. No, I get that. But a part of why we glorify Christ in the way that we do, a part of why we remember Christ in the way that we do, a part of why we celebrate Christmas to begin with is because there was a God willing to take off his mane. And we are invited to do the same. We are invited to see those around me who are in need and take off what I deserve to the glory of the Father and for their good. That is what Philippians is saying, and that's really what Christmas is. And I want gingerbread cookies and pentatonics, Christmas carols too. But may I not forget for a moment that the truth of Christmas is sacrificial love. And sacrificial love is the thing that actually makes that possible. Not me grasping at power, not me grasping at what I'm deserving of, but me being willing to let go of it. And then the Father says, here is all of the glory and all of the honor that you deserve. I don't have to go get it for myself. So, this year, just like every other year, I am in awe, not just of the power of God, but of the humility of God 
and challenged to live in that same humility. I want to pray for us and then we can bounce. God, you, you are you bad, God. It's just the truth. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. And a part of that no one like you is because everyone else and everything else kind of falls into this caricature and you refuse to be in a box. You refuse to be all powerful. You got to be all powerful and lowly at the same time. No one can pull that off. You're the king of kings and a baby at the same time. Your creator God and infant at the same time. You are just so wonderful. And it is your humility that inspires us to live the way that you've designed human beings. You came to live the way we were designed to be and we surrender God. We thank you for your sacrifice for us. There's never a moment where we can't remember that you've died for, the, died for us on the cross in Rome's. There's no holiday that blocks that. But on this day, we remember that you were giving up even before then. Give us grace to live that same way. To the glory of the Father, empowered by your Holy Spirit, as a witness to your love, Jesus. As we leave, be honored, be glorified in us. Wherever we are in the next week, be glorified in us. And even as we look forward to bringing in a new year, God, and for many of us that being like a clock starting over, may we take this spirit of humility with us, this spirit of sacrificial love with us so that we look like you to the world and they get to celebrate Christmas every day. In Jesus' name, amen.